Hey gang, WSEG TV is on Twitch. Check it out every Monday at 1 p.m. and every Friday at 3 p.m. We are streaming music news. We have live guests. We have games, prizes, tutorials, and more. Tune in and find out only on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash We Speak English Good. Also, check out our sponsor, Moded Studios, embroidered patches and apparel. Go to modedstudios.com, M O D E D S T U D I O S.com, and check out all the latest and greatest in patches and apparel. One of my favorite patches is the Baby Yoda from the Mandalorian patch. Go and check it out for yourself, modedstudios.com. Now on with the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is Mr. Guy Sandville. Guy Sandville is the artistic director over at the Purple Rose Theater in Chelsea, Michigan. You guys hear me talk about this all the time. My beautiful wife, Raina, has been doing some understudying over there. And, um, you know, it's just the Purple Rose Theater as an as a, as a entity of itself and the people that it holds is just... It's just beautiful. It's just a family, uh, family event every time I go there. And, um, you know, everyone's so wonderful. And I've had an experience with actors and actresses in the past that, it, you know, it, it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But we're, we're talking about L.A. actors and actresses. Uh, when I came back, or at least West Coast actors and actresses, um, but when I came back here and, and um, saw what uh, artists and actors and actresses could be, it, it changed my perception completely. And especially when your wife decides to become an actress, like you can't just go around being like, ugh, actors or ugh, actresses. I live with one, you know? So, um, no, and, and, and of course, my, my opinions are always biased and, and skewed because of maybe one or two experiences. So uh, it, it, it's just I'm unfairly making sweeping generalizations about actors and actresses. Um, well, I was until I met the folks at the Purple Rose Theater Company in Chelsea, Michigan. Uh, so right now they are closed because of the pandemic. Obviously, there's you know things are down. So we talk about that. Um, this is another podcast from before the the protests and stuff. So uh, we don't talk about any of that. But I'm sure Guy would have completely dived right into it because uh, Guy has no problem with talking uh, talking politics, talking everything. You know, he he goes deep in this one. So really great conversation. Honestly, like it was just. It's just like it's like when you talk to some of these people who have been, you know, in the game for a long time, and they're just dropping now. It's just like you're just sitting there, and I'm like a sponge, just sitting there, like, oh man, yeah. It's just to me, it's feeding me when when you know they when when people, especially when they're this open. Um, guy was so open about everything, and um, it's just so appreciated, appreciated on this show, uh, especially because. Uh, it's just, I really enjoy getting to know people, and and when you're given an opportunity where you get like one to two hours just to talk about anything, I mean that's a very rare thing in today's culture, and so um, 
to be able to do that and share it with people is just it's just such a joy so guy sandville is coming up but first Go over to reinamystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com, and check out the new or latest single, which it's it's not so new anymore. It's about three months old, <laughs> but it's still new enough, and it's called Chloroform. Go check it out. Raina is also on Twitch. She is streaming Tuesdays, Thursdays at 8 a.m. and Sundays at 8 p.m., where I jump in on the guitar and we do the uh, acoustic soul duo on Sunday evenings, um, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But you can go check out her schedule. It's on her Twitch. So twitch.tv slash randommystique. You can also go check out the newly redesigned We Speak English Good website. I had to think about it there for a second. I have not been sleeping well. It's just, it's just, I'm not sleeping well these days. I don't know why. And my brain functionality is kind of, is kind of going by the wayside. So, uh, go to We Speak English Good website and check it out i uh i did a lot of work on it and it's um it's mostly all the episodes are up there and um i got to about 200 episodes of just data entry crap and i just burnt out so um i'm gonna get the rest of them on there eventually it's just not right at this second so Go check it out. It's over there. You can also find me, if you guys didn't hear the beginning uh, ad, I guess, for my new stream, our new stream, the WSEG TV is going live and direct from Twitch. So it's twitch.tv slash we speak English good. And this week on Friday, we have Chance ATL, who is a fellow Twitch um, streamer and uh, He's also just has years in the game. He's uh, he's out of Atlanta, Georgia, um, and he's a uh, he's a he's a he's a shredder. He's a fucking shredder. Uh, that's all I gotta say. He's a shredder, and um, he's fun. He he's a uh, he's a cool dude, at, and I'm excited to talk to him. So that's this Friday. Let me give you a date because I'm terrible at that. June 19th. Uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch. So tune in for that. It's been fun. Like last Monday, we we did a tutorial one, and apparently people liked it. So that's nice. I I thought it would been I thought it was like kind of weird, and boring when I was doing it. But like I did notice that as soon as we got into the music tutorial part, like the stream just flew by. So that's a good indication that that you're into something and something's working is that if you lose track of time while doing it that means that you're probably pretty into it so um i i at, at the moment i was just i mean i guess i really wasn't thinking about it but i was just like i don't know if this is gonna be interesting because you don't know what people are gonna latch on to on these things so it seems like people are really responding to the interviews and it seems like people people responded to the music tutorial so those are two things i'll probably keep expanding on um we're gonna do we're trying to do music news but i'm I, I, it's just not working the way i want it to work right now so anyways i'm blathering let's keep moving on like subscribe and leave a review so like us on facebook instagram and you can subscribe to us on our youtube and on apple uh, iTunes or anywhere you get your podcast, please do hit the subscribe button and please do leave a review. It helps. It super duper helps. Uh, it, it just helps the algorithm of the podcasting world. It just helps you get more discoverable. That's it. And the more the more reviews, the more people can find the podcast. And that's about it. That's all I really want from you guys is just a little of your time 
besides the time you're spending with me now, of course, but a little bit of your time to go leave a review because that's that's the golden ticket right there, man. I don't think it's the golden ticket. <laughs> I, sponsors paying for my life is the golden ticket. Um, <laughs> and please do go patronize or patronize or patronize. I don't know. God. Please go visit our sponsor, modedstudios.com. M-O-D-E-D-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com. Okay, guys, I'm done blathering on. I'm going to see you on the other side. Sit back, strap in. Um, this is a, this is, I mean, it's not a wild ride, but it's, it's definitely, um, we definitely go, we go, we go a lot of places here, emotionally and um, conversationally. So it, it's a, Again, this is this was a pure joy and honor to talk to Mr. Guy Sandville of the Purple Rose Theater Company. Good. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for uh, doing this. Oh, my pleasure. I, it, it's kind of early for artists. I don't know. Are you an early riser? I am. Okay. I am. I figured out uh, a couple of years ago that getting up about 5.30 or 6 in the morning buys me an extra couple weeks a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, that is, it's interesting that, I mean, so early because I've been finding myself um, in the last couple, I mean, in the last couple of years, ever since I moved back to Ohio, um, I've been getting up at like four, five in the morning regularly. And then I almost find that um, in those hours when everyone is asleep, when everyone is, you know, like Bishop, my, well, my wife and my son, uh, they're asleep and the house is quiet and it's dark and, you know, there's no life really going on. I find that I get the most work done. Absolutely. <laughs> um, right, it's a very creative time for me. Yeah. I do a lot of I do a lot of writing between six and eight in the morning. What is it about that time? Do you think that works so great for you? Well, just what you said. It's quiet. Uh, I don't know. It just there's something kind of magical about it for me. It really is. Um, it's quiet. It's uh, my mind is uh, relatively unfiltered. I guess. Yeah. And uh, I, I years ago I started doing a writing exercise. I read a great book called The Right to Write, mm. and there was an exercise in there called Morning Pages. And you get up in the morning, and you, before you go to the bathroom or anything, you just start writing. You write a page or two. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a revelation. It really was. I do some of my best work early in the morning, actually. Uh, I, I absolutely agree with that. And, and it's so strange to me. And sometimes I'll... Uh, I'm not a writer per se, uh, but uh, I write music, or I do this podcast, and I edit, or whatever it is. I feel like whatever work that's being accomplished in those hours, it's almost like you mentioned it's it's like your filter, uh, it's like your filter's gone or something. It's like all of a sudden, it's like you're not 
you yet. And and then when I go back to review that work that I did, I almost barely remember doing it. It's almost like a different sure. me was doing that. And, not, and, and like you don't even remember, especially if you're on a good one, like if you're on a hot streak, right? Like you just... I, I don't know. For me personally, I don't know if you experienced that. I mean, does is, is that something you've experienced? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think you know, you spend a lot of time uh, when you're asleep. You're you're pretty much living in your subconscious, and uh, I think when you get up early like that, you're still you still have one foot in that realm, yeah. kind of. And uh, I like it. Yeah, yeah, you're sort of dipping into uh, your subconscious. Um, unconsciously dipping into your subconscious, which I, I think that might be a little <laughs> redundant, but, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, listen, I got to let my dog in. Sure. I'm sorry. That's okay, I'll, man. It's I'll all good. Right. Get I'll your dog. Right man. I, it, it's just so interesting when you talk to different guests, they, um, uh, w when they work the best, it, it, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, I always find that in the nighttime, um, or in the morning, it seems like the most, um, it seems like to be the witching hour for artists. I'm sorry, I was talking while you were gone. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, you, uh, we've been on quarantine, and, uh, and I, I have to ask, uh, I've been asking most of my guests since the, since the beginning of all this, what, what they've been sort of doing with their time. And uh, I, I'm going to start with this one. What What have you been eating while on quarantine? Uh, whatever the hell I want, uh, pretty much. And that's <laughs> that's unusual. I found myself in the beginning of this, uh, kind of reverting back to kind of the comfort foods of my youth, mm -hmm. which were it's kind of a double edged sword. I mean, actually, you know, when I, I'm 66. And when I was uh, back in the 60s, when I was a child, um, food was not as processed as it is now. Yeah. And so even the things that we would consider unhealthy were a little healthier then. Everything was not loaded up with cornstarch or, corn, I mean, uh, uh, corn syrup. And uh, there was a lot less sugar in the food. Uh, we used to live by a bakery called Schaefer Bakery in Lansing, Michigan which basically made white bread because that's what bread was. And uh, we used to go back there. I had a buddy whose brother worked there. And, you know, all year long, you could just smell that fresh, fresh baked bread. And we'd go load up on that. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 so, you know, but still uh, stuff I don't usually, I usually uh, lead a pretty gluten-free existence. And that kind of went out the window. Uh, right away but i'm doing better now i'm i'm sort of uh sliding back into the keto thing which is works for me and is very healthy mm -hmm. i've actually dropped about six pounds in the last week oh congrats a couple weeks um so yeah it but you know um i just uh you know i made a few swings through you know fast food places and uh you know it's, it's just it's me and the dog and uh, I share a lot of what I eat with a dog, which is not good. But uh, <laughs> uh, he's uh, he's kind of spoiled, aren't you, Bob? Huh? Oh <laughs> uh, well, that that question actually comes directly from Raina because um, <laughs> sometimes before uh, a show, if I know I'm talking to a guest and I know somebody who has you know experienced or worked with that guest, 
I'll reach out and I'll be like, hey, what can you tell? Is there any kind of cool little things you could tell me about him? And that's what she said. Ask him about the food he's eating while in quarantine. <laughs> so that was her great contribution to this conversation. But I appreciate that. And but uh, you're right. Like once this thing sort of hit, I mean, you're going back for those comfort foods. So you must have been a little bit uncomfortable when this all started. Um, how yeah. how did you process this in the first couple of weeks? Well, you know, it's really interesting. Um, Sunday was the one year anniversary of my wife's death. And so uh, I've been alone for the last year. And being alone is different than being by yourself. Yeah. Being by yourself, getting away can be a healthy thing. Uh, and I realized I had never been alone in a long time. So, you know, um, I think the whole nation is grieving right now. And I think, you know, as a nation, we're, we're you know, going to go through those stages of grief. I've been going through them for a year. So it's not that different. For, for me, to be honest with you, um, we're, I'm still working, even though we don't have a show running, uh, there's still stuff to do. Uh, the whole staff is still on payroll. And um, so that, that, that's, that's cool. And I've got a lot of time to think, but, uh, and I write, uh, I've got about five uh, relatively serious writing projects happening right now. Hmm. And uh, I, I do a little bit uh, every day with regard to those. And I take the dog out and, uh, you know, it's, uh, except for what I really miss is making work. I miss rehearsing more than anything. Rehearsing a play is my favorite thing to do other than, you know, hanging out with my daughter. Uh, she doesn't live at home. So, you know, that's, that's tough. Uh, but, um, you know, Sunday we did a little, uh, ritual. I had a few close friends over. We socially distanced the shit out of it. But uh, and then we had a little fire in the backyard and sat around and chatted a little bit about my wife. And that was nice. But it hasn't been that different, that different uh, uh, for, for me. I miss seeing my my work family a lot. Uh, you know, your, your brilliant wife is, is part of that group. Uh, seeing her smiling face and her. I mean, she just makes any day better. You know, she, she really does have is, that effect on people. Uh, you know, yeah, we. Uh, we have that in common. We both married extraordinary women. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so, you know, it's not that different, Mike, but it's, it's, um, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, I, I'm just sort of living for the day when I get to rehearse and play again. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. That would, there was a similar thing for me where it was just like eating unhealthy and then sort of, yeah. but, but I was able to sort of bury myself in work Um it, to a to a fault actually uh to a fault where my wife had to sit down and be like hey you know your family exists as well not just that computer or whatever it is i'm working on sure so it, it was sort of this thing where i think processing was uh, ignoring and then and then sort of uh, uh but a lot of good things came out of it you said you have five different projects going is, is <clears throat> writing projects is that a common thing for writers? Uh, do do writers usually have five or more or two or more? I mean, like, because I mean, I, I have several different music projects I have going on, but the way my brain functions is that I feel like I have to get something done before I can kind of finish the other thing. But sure. then I'm ADD, so I'm also like 
running around like crazy thinking that something's fit. So it's a mess. My brain's a mess. But I'm more concerned about how you work with this. How, how do you, I mean, how do you approach five different projects you're working on? Well, and uh, that's, that's kind of unusual for me. I, I um, oddly enough, the ones that I'm getting paid to do uh, <laughs> yeah. are the hardest ones to sit down and work on. I agree with that so much. <laughs> but uh, it's just, you know, one of them is uh, actually, uh, I'm working on two screenplays. I'm working on a television show. And I'm working on a book. And, and then, uh, uh, and I'm writing... Uh, you know, I journal extensively every day. So those, those are my, my projects. I, um, uh, two of the, the two screenplays, <coughs> excuse me, the two screenplays are, uh, one of them is, is sort of in lieu of therapy. Um, I'm writing about my, uh, the experience of, uh, of, of losing my wife and, uh, uh, what that's like and that's something that i really it's uh, extremely uh painful uh but i uh i and i can't really deal with it more than you know three days a week uh but it's it's of course it's just it's 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 going well it's a it's a a great little story and then the other one is uh based on an experience that a a, a good friend of mine had um uh she uh she walked uh, the the Pacific Crest Trail, and uh, she she, I think she got I don't know seven hundred miles into it or something, and then blew out her knee. Oh. But um, I you know I keep story files. I keep you know I'm a director, so I'm never not working. Yeah, you know my my family understood that. If I'm watching television, I'm working. If I'm reading a novel, I'm working. I'm you know I took some apprentices to a movie one time, and. Uh, the movie started and I, uh, I, I always carry something to a pen, a good pen and something to write on and I'm writing and he goes, what are you doing? Are you, are you reviewing the movie? And I, I showed him it's five minutes and 38 seconds into inception concussive explosion. <clears throat> and he said, why would you do that? And I said, well, I put that in my sound file. And then when I, you know, I'm talking to a sound designer and I want a concussive explosion, I can pull that up and show it to him or her. And not as it say, use this one necessarily, but this is what I'm talking about when I, when I say concussive explosion. Yeah. So I'm, I'm never, ever, ever uh, not working. Uh, I think a lot of directors would, would probably echo that. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's tough. There's no such thing as balance. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Don't tell me that guy. Don't tell me that. I'm trying no, to find it. No, I got a hot tip for you, my friend. There's no <laughs> as balance. There are are, you know, or security for that matter. That uh, I know. Yeah. Uh but uh yeah, it's somebody always has to give a little bit more. Somebody always has to uh you know, sacrifice a little a little bit more and uh you know, I uh I was married for 32 years to an incredible person who believed in me and would not let me uh, quit. Uh, and there were times uh, when I wanted to. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, but it works out. You know, in the early days of our marriage, probably the first, I don't know, oh gosh, math, 
six years of our marriage. She kept us in the middle class. You know, she was a, ran a credit union and, and, you know, she, she ran our household. I mean, she wore the tool belt in our family. I am useless around the house. Okay. I am absolutely <laughs> useless. Uh, my idea of, of yard work is putting a divot back on the golf course. <laughs> uh, you know, wherever Nancy and, and Rose are, you know, that's, that was home. And, you know, I mean, she, it was funny because we bought, we've owned two houses. She called me up at work one day. She goes, well, I bought a house today. I said, great. Where? She said, it's in East Jackson. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, and then it became an issue because, just you know, I, when it came to everything, pretty much. I did what my wife told me. And, uh, you know, these people were getting concerned because I wouldn't come and look at the house. And it didn't matter to me. All that mattered was that my, it was, you know, that my wife would be there and that she liked it. And uh, so, you know, I showed up at the inspection and said, yeah, it's a house. It's great. It's great. Where do you want me to sign? And uh, then, um, you know, she looked really hard because I work a lot of hours and the baby was young then. And, and so she tried to find a house in Chelsea and it took her a couple of years, but again, another phone call. Well, I, I, I bought the last cheap house in Chelsea. Wow. Awesome. Two blocks from, from the theater. Uh, you know, and I said, great. And, uh, you know, that's how it works. So it's, uh, when, when my wife, uh, died, I was probably like a fifties housewife. I, she handled the money, she handled everything. And she's, you know, we knew what was coming and she gave me some tutorials. I mean, the last time I paid a bill, you wrote a check, you put it in an envelope, you put a stamp on the envelope and you mailed it. And, and I still do that once in a while just for fun. I like to keep the, you know, the, the utilities waiting or whatever. But um, so, uh, you know, and it, 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 uh, it, it's worked out fine. But uh, it, was a, it was a whole new, uh, no, new world. I just, uh, you know, she handled everything. And when, uh, you know, and I, we had a rule. If I was going to spend more than 50 bucks in a day, I had to give her a call. And it worked out great. So, <laughs> No, I'm I'm listening to you, and I'm just hearing all the similarities. It's just like being obedient, uh, you know. Like, uh, but and Raina is. I mean, I mean, because I lost my. I mean, in this situation now, I, I've just lost my job for the rest of the year. Well, it's whatever. Yeah. You lost your job too. It's we're all in this together, right? Oh. Um, uh, but she's still teaching, and and thank God that she's been. Uh, really using this online teaching uh, uh, medium and, because now that's all she does and, and she's doing great with that. And, and, and sort of the same thing is like rain has always been this constant for me, like where, where she's just always this, I'm useless around the house. It's like, I don't know how to fix cars. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I can mix your song for you, but <laughs> you know, like if, if the world really does go tits up, I, I, I can't imagine my place in it. It's like, I'll, I'll sing you a song. Uh, you know, no, yeah, we need a doctor. Yeah. Uh, do you know, do you know how to sew someone back up? Uh, do you know how to cure diseases? No, I can play guitar and piano. Okay. Well, you're useless. I always imagine my role in the apocalypse and it's just not, it just doesn't look good for me, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm seeing all these similarities, and, and it's just, uh, it, it's it's amazing what a good woman will do for. Uh, I mean, for well, it, it, yeah, I mean, it worked for me, and it worked and, for me too. Yeah, and uh, I, uh, 
you know, once I surrendered to that whole idea, once I put my ego aside and right. said, you know, hey, this person is just just a better human being than anybody <laughs> I've ever known and is smart and wise and and you know, uh as long as I I you know, I let her take the lead, things are gonna be okay. And boy, my life got better instantly. Um, it, it does get better. And and like it sounds like there was a fight. Yeah, an internal fight for you for your what? well you know men are, men are all ego yeah we are yeah. i mean men are easy they're all ego and i'm no different than anybody else and you know it was uh and and you know i, I didn't want anyone telling me what to do and all that jazz and but uh you know um once i realized and, and came to fully appreciate exactly who 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 she was and that she really did, you know, have, and this was before we got married, actually, before, you know, she really did have my absolute best interests at heart, you know, and I, I mean, it just, once that happened, that's when I officially grew up, I think, and became a, a man, um, you know, and, and it, uh, I mean, she made me better, and it continues to actually, made me better at my work. But she made me a better man and a better human, and uh, that's something that uh, that was quite a project. Yeah. Uh, well, but, uh, no, I I uh, I don't. You know, I I I just I got really, really, really fortunate, and we were great friends long before you know we got involved. You know, any other way. I mean, we were really good friends, and and uh, you know, she's missed terribly. I mean, her siblings single day she was the mediator the calm one the absolutely trustworthy one and you know whether it was work or whatever i mean i would just you know i have a, a situation and you need somebody in your life that will tell you the absolute unvarnished truth absolutely. Uh, especially you know I, I mean i have a lot of, i mean i have a the best job in america but a lot of people will tell me what they think i want to hear versus you know so when you if you have three or four people in your life who will absolutely tell you the truth hey slow down hey you're being a jerk uh, that's not a good move then i mean i really it's it's treasure it's yeah, really important. those are the keepers yeah because the people who are just going to agree with you and tell you yes all the time it, 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 you're not i feel like that people surround themselves with those kind of people and it stunts their creativity it oh yeah stunts, it stunts what they yeah their growth is just bleh. yeah absolutely because because you, you you learn from making mistakes and and oh, yeah. and you should and, and if you don't learn from your mistakes then well you're doing it wrong <laughs> right uh, the yeah, the 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 whole the whole yes man idea is is just it's gross because, in you know like I imagine for you being in your position and and um, you know your notoriety of what you do I mean like that that could easily be in your circle. Um, I have a very small I, mine is a very small it's a much smaller nebulous but like when those situations do occur I tend to the red flags go up you know what i mean when you when you're working with people how do you discern like who you want to work with because uh you know you're a great curator of talent um at your co theater company at the purple Thank rose you. and um i mean how do you determine what it is like especially in the world of acting and i don't know that much about acting so i can't say but <laughs> but i imagine that actors can 
act like they're being genuine people and and really not so i mean how do you discern that how do you how what what do you look for when you're looking into uh, bringing someone into your circle well uh that's a great question that's a big question what i look for really is good people yeah interesting people i don't cast characters Mm -hmm. i cast people and and hope that the writing and, and 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 uh will then the audience will uh, the audience will believe that they are who we say they are. Um, I can tell I am, I am, that has been uh, one of the keys to any success that I've had because casting is about 80% of it uh, for directing. It really is the, the, the other 20% is really, really important, but, but, uh, and I am a, a really good judge of talent, I think. Uh, and you need talent, but then it's, uh, it's, 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 you know, work ethic. It's because when I cast somebody in a play, I'm, I'm betting my mortgage on them. It's not just where, you know, I have a whole town on my back sometimes and I welcome that responsibility. But if we have a show that tanks, I hear about it from the restaurant people <laughs> or, or, you know, whatever. I mean, we, we bring about, you know, uh, $5 million dollars uh, in revenue to the town for a town of 5,000 people. That's, that's huge. And it's, it's, it's an important responsibility. So, you know, I want to make sure that they're a professional person, that they will show up on time, that they'll be prepared. And, you know, uh, I try not to hire assholes. Uh, that's, that's, that's it. Um, you know, I try not to hire assholes and, and I have to be able to trust them that they'll, you know, do the job and do, do what's required of them. Excuse me. I mean, you have to have talent, but, but it's about 99% hard work and 1% talent. And, uh, I can tell in an audition, you know, how prepared they were, whether they learned the monologue in the car on the way down or, you know, and then I have, if I'm, if, and I can, when they get three words out of their mouth, I do an interview too. Uh, when somebody comes in, I, I have them sit down and I say, tell me all about yourself. And then they start listing their theater cousin. No, I've got your resume. Tell me about you. Uh, because you're the raw material that I have to work with. And, you know, then, then we, I want them to be comfortable. Everybody in the building is dedicated to making sure that everybody, actors, writers, designers have an opportunity to do their best work. And, you know, we, we, and then, and then they do their monologue and I want to see how, how much, how big that gulf is between the person that I talk to. Cause it's like, hi, you know, how you doing, Mike? Well, I'm good. You know, I'm married, blah, 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 blah. And, and then you start acting and it's like, you know, and it's like, we like actors who, when they're acting, you can't tell they're acting. Yeah. So I want to see how big that gulf is between you, the person and the actor. Cause I got to fill that. I've got to, I've got to get you away. I've got to get you closer to, to who I can give you an accent. You can walk with a limp, whatever, but it's still you. And it's a hard, one of the hardest things to do is convince people that they're enough. Hmm. You're enough. You are enough. Your sense of humor is your most personal trait, by the way, but your sense of humor, your sense of justice, your, you know, pettiness, everything that make you the human is enough to help tell this story. 90% of what I do as a, as a director and, and a producer and, and uh, a teacher is, is getting people out of their own way getting them to trust 
Because when they do it right, they think it can't be that easy. It can't be that simple. Well, simple is hard. It's human nature to want to complicate things. Actors want to act, directors want to direct, designers want to design. And I believe that the trick to art is what you leave out. Yeah. So it's, it's like the notes that you don't play, right? It's uh, it, I guess we're looking in similarities between the absolutely. mediums. Yeah. They're very similar. Yeah. Uh, the, the there's something uh, a phrase that Raina brought home with her from um from the Rose, and uh, and I've been using it a lot, especially with uh, taking on this new venture of improv classes. Uh, is fire the judge? Um, yep. that's a that's a uh, that's a. That's a primal, basic thing that we employ in our work, yeah. Can you explain that? Yeah. You have two hemispheres of your brain. You have the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere. The left hemisphere is where the accountant, naysayer, logic judge lives. We call it the judge. It's that voice you hear in your head that says, you're stupid, you have no talent, your ass is too big, whatever. And you can't do this work while you're judging yourself. You can't focus on the person in the scene with you if you're judging yourself. One of the you know one of the hardest things I deal with as a director is trusting my own instincts because I'm very instinctive. You know I don't know that I'm an intellectual. I'm not stupid, but I have a pretty high EQ, and um, you know it doesn't. I don't worry about making sense. If the idea pops in my head, I get up and we try it, and so that that we. We, we stand in a circle, we close our eyes, we breathe, and we ask people to give that judge a face. And, and some of the biggest naysayers in your life can be some of the people that love you the most. Absolutely. And, uh, and then when you're ready, you very simply say you're fired. And, and you know, it's a habit. Jeff does it, we all do it. And like any other habit, the more you do it, uh, effective it 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 becomes so yeah you know and and we do it all the time we do it all the time we practice the big difference between professionals and amateurs is practice yeah Uh, julie andrews said an amateur practices till they get it right a professional practices till they can't practice anymore you're a musician you know that i I mean you practice you practice you practice i mean uh, that's, that's the, 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 so if, if I want an actor to do something, I believe I have a responsibility to get them to practice it. Yeah. If I want people to just see each other and breathe, we practice that. If I want somebody to fire the judge, we practice that. So it's uh, like I said, it, it ties into that whole deal of getting people out of their own way. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of, a lot of that ties into, uh, being present. Uh, one of Absolutely. the, one of the things that, uh, that, I've, that helped me in these last few years and um, uh, just, just trying to get my own shit in order, just my own mental health in order is presence. But what I realized is how important that is. It's like, I already knew it by practicing music, by being in, uh, in the present, uh, playing a live show or playing with other people. It was already something that I knew about, but that I had to like bring in over to my, uh, into my, life you know my mental life like whatever you want to call that real life uh how important is presence for acting and and you know uh, especially for finding the judge i imagine that must be a you know an important tool it's absolutely essential mm-hmm. it's it's fundamental um 
listening is key to what we do. Yeah. Uh, and if you're thinking about, you know, how you're going to respond to something or, or what's my line or, um, you know, oh God, that sucked or, or, or even worse. Oh Jesus. I was brilliant just then. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you're not doing, you're not doing your job. Uh, so being absolutely present is key to listening and to, to, we have another thing we believe in is that every scene you ever play is about the other person in that scene and what you want them to do. So your job is to focus on that person. You're in, you're, you, you know, we call it the ring that you're in the ring with. And, uh, you know, what happens to a boxer if they're not present? Yeah. They're totally, it's one of the things I like about boxing. I don't do it. I, uh, and, uh, I'm not a, you know, into this whole cage fighting and all that shit, but, uh, there's something honorable about boxing that I like. And, uh, you know, my dad used to really enjoy it. Take me to golden gloves when I was a kid. And, but those guys, man, if they're not totally present, if they're not totally focused on the other person, they could end up dead. Right. And, uh, uh, so it's, it's the same in the work that, that, that we do. It's essential. Yeah. Um, what, what are some of the ways you kind of, um, I mean, I know you hold like uh, uh, you do uh, classes at the Rose. Uh, what are some of the ways that you kind of get people to start practicing presence? Well, we have a lot of exercises that we do. You know, uh, one of them is we just stand. You, you you stand with a partner, and you just see them. And seeing is different than looking at something. Seeing is an active verb. It's receiving. Mm. And we have an exercise called the receiving circle and other, and other things, I guess, you know, they call it mirrors or something, but we make people just stand there and really see each other and breathe together and take care of each other. Uh, it's a very basic thing, but it, it starts, it starts there. I mean, it's really interesting. If you look at a lot of photographs from plays at other places, you'll see people looking away from people or showing the audience how they feel about what's saying. If you look at, at, at the photos of our shows, you see people locked on each other. Mm-hmm. You see people seeing each other because we practice that. We believe that. And sometimes I have to say, okay, you don't have to look at her right now. You can, you know, and, and that's, that's a great place to be. So we practice it. We practice seeing each other. We practice breathing together. Yeah. I, I you, like uh, that sort of resonates with some, when when I saw Jeff Daniels play uh, uh, I think last month he did a show there he was talking about um, what you guys do at the Rose is the same thing they're doing in, in on Broadway in New York um, but or or no wait a second maybe I'm getting it wrong I'm misquoting I'm sorry but the, he, what I was distilling from it was that he um, uh what you guys were practicing there at the Rose is not giving to the audience. He was sort of, you're, you're kind of drawing the audience in instead of like talking at them and expressing yourself at them. And, and mind you, this is coming from a musician who knows nothing about acting. So I'm sorry if this is just so sophomore. No, but no, not at all. But, but, it, but the idea of drawing an audience in uh, rather than just giving it away, but like drawing them into whatever, uh, whatever the scene is, you know, instead of giving it to them, sort of drawing them in. We tell the actors that we relieve them of the, re- of the responsibility of the audience. The audience is, is the director's and the playwright's responsibility. We'll take care of them. Your responsibility is the other actor in the scene. Don't care if they laugh. I mean, don't care. 
And we decide when and to what extent we let the audience in. And that's what we do. We invite them along, but it's not about, you know, well, ultimately it is, of course. I mean, we do this for, for people, but the actors on stage, it's not about playing to the audience. It's not that at all. It's about getting that other person in the scene to do what you want them to do. It's, it's that simple and, and that, that difficult. Um, there are people, you know, who are applause junkies and, and audience whores and all that stuff. And there's a little, there's a little bit of that in all of us. Uh, but, uh, you know, like you never pause for dramatic effect or, or, or show the audience how you feel about what's happening. That's called bad acting. And unfortunately there's a lot of it out there and a lot of people get trained that way. And it's, it's, it's something that we have to, you know, overcome. But once you get the hang of it, you know, you don't want to do it any other way. It's, it's no fun to act alone. I don't think so anyway. I, I like, uh, for me, it's a team sport and, and I like, you know, uh, I like being in a scene with, with, with somebody and, and that, that we all crave human connection and it shouldn't stop when you get on stage with another actor. Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. When you, uh, when you're, when you're starting a play and, and you're in the role as a director, what do you, well, when you're deciding, what, what is the deciding factors, first of all, on what you want to put your energy into? What, what, what draws you to maybe a, a, pl a script, I guess? I don't know what the, what, what do you call oh, it? Oh, sure. Is it uh, a script still? Is that what you call it? Yeah, the sure, sure. Playwright yeah, or whatever? Script. Okay. The script is good. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, we look for plays that use humor as a window into the human heart. Oh. We, we, we like, we try not to do propaganda. There's a lot of, you know, people who do this work are usually really smart and, and more progressive in their views. I certainly am, but, um, I don't, uh, there's a lot of propaganda masquerading as art right now. Mm. Propaganda. I totally believe in, but propaganda is not art. Um, so we look for plays that argue both sides of an issue with something like equal force and clarity. Somebody wins, somebody loses. And uh, we like a man, a woman, and a problem. Um, but we've done plays with virtually every kind of human that you can imagine. And, um, you know, we, uh, I like good stories. I like uh, uh, stories that, uh, that, that, move people i don't want people sitting in those seats thinking too much when they're with us they can think about it later over a drink or the next morning over, over coffee but when people um when people watch uh, a play i want to uh, uh fuck them where they breathe i want to i want to uh i want to move them i want them to gasp i want them to laugh i want them to cry i don't want them to think about anything other than what those people are doing on stage. Oh my God, is she going to, is he going to, Oh my God. You know, I, I, that's, I want them only interested in what's going to happen next and what it all means and all that stuff. They can figure it out later. You know, we've done plays about, you know, date rape. We've done plays about inventors. We've done plays about gay people, straight people, trans people, everything you can imagine. Um, but not because they were about those things. We did them because they were great stories that, that moved me. And uh, also, we, most of the work we do is new. So I like working with playwrights. 
Uh, I love doing new plays. I think that's what we're sort of built to do. And uh, I, I, I love working for a playwright uh, because I think that's what directors do. They help. It's not about, you know, so many are carried away by concepts and, and make it about themselves. And I, I believe good direction doesn't show. Um, so, you know, I'm there to help tell the story that the playwright wrote. And I'm there to help the actors uh, be uh, the, the, the version of themselves that's required in the story. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, and we have a company of resident and associate artists that we create work with and for. So I encourage people, you know, is there a role you want to play? And we encourage playwrights to write for people in our company. Uh, so that's, that's really cool. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, like when you're saying propaganda and, and, um, you know, uh, that's different from social commentary, I think, and and which where I was kind of going with this with, with Flint, uh, uh, production you guys did. And I didn't see the play and I really don't know what it is, but like, I kind of had a brief overview of what it was about and, and, but, but you guys don't steer away from social commentary. Oh no, uh, no, we don't do it. Please. Yeah, we don't have to comment on anything. I mean, sorry to interrupt you, but no, no, please. You know, I'm passionate about this shit. Yeah, um, please. Uh, no, Flynn was the story that basically, you know, an out of work auto worker. How we ended up with where we are now, it, it, it sort of looks. I mean, I I believe that you know America is in. Uh, in denial about racism, you know, we're a racist country and that makes me sick, but that's not reason enough to do the play. You know, um, it's a really good story about, for me, about, uh, a guy who did everything the right way he thought and, uh, and his fear and, uh, petty pettiness, uh, pretty much cost him, uh, his friendship and his wife. Uh, so that's what it was about to me, but it dealt with a lot of bigger issues. Mm. You know, Titanic is not a movie about a, a ship. It's actually a very small love story, a man, a woman, and a problem and class, you know, differences and things like that. And they have this major obstacle that this, you know, great love has to overcome and, you know, comes up a, a little short. So, um, you know, that's, that's, I'm not, you know, interested in, you know, I don't want to do a play about climate change. Now I'm play right now, which is a, a lovely love story between, you know, two people in their sixties and a younger couple and, uh, who kind of find each other and, uh, but climate change is a real, it figures real, it's a, it's a major obstacle to the relationship. It, 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 so, so that, that works for me. Um, we did a play that dealt with uh, rape and paternity uh, last year. And, and again, I did it because it was one of the greatest new scripts that I'd been handed in the last 20 years. It was a great play. And it did argue both sides of, of, of the issue with equal force and clarity. But it was basically about a, a mother and a daughter who learned to tell each other the truth. Mm. And, and that, that to me is, you know, what's the human element? 
what what's what's what what because plays are about people and they're not about issues and the bad ones are about issues and you know with with this ridiculous monster buffoon asshole we have in the white house Whew. and and you know but pretty much the decline of 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 our maybe we're in the death throes i don't know it's a democracy but um it's real tempting to but that doesn't you know aaron sorkin did a great job in west wing you know there was a democratic president and it was about his administration but republicans occasionally did heroic things and he does a great job when i met him i told him that i said man you do a fantastic job of representing both sides of an issue with equal force and clarity he goes i know it's really hard but you know that's that's good writing there's a lot of you know i don't want to see uh, uh i don't want to do a play that trashes fox news that's too easy but a play about you know a guy who saves his marriage and changes you know who works for fox news that's interesting you know yeah yeah totally man it's it's it, it, that human element it just it oh. always seems to be um it always seems to be the thing that draws people in um uh, just just that the nuance of being a human uh it, it just it, it, it always, and and when you see art start getting away from it um and still be popular uh, how does that how, what does that make you how does that make you feel i don't care make <laughs> I, don't give I mean, a shit. you know, what, what, whatever works. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's just not, not what we do. Yeah. Um, like, like I say, we tackle a bunch of issues, yeah. but I don't do a play because it's, that's an issue that I feel strongly about. I feel strongly about a lot of things, but it's not about, you know, what I, what I, what, it, what I am is curious about human beings. When you put two human beings in a room, anything is possible. And life does not make sense. Human beings are not logical creatures until they become actors, and then they got to figure everything out, but, which, which is silly. But, um, well, it, acting is scary, and they figure, if I get it all figured out beforehand, uh, I'll be safe. Well, you may be, but you're, you're boring. <laughs> a boat in the harbor is safe, but if it stays there long enough, its bottom will rot out. Yeah. I don't, uh, so I don't, what other people do, is you know their their business i will never use my art as a weapon i will vote i will support causes i believe in and i'll be very active uh you know as a citizen but uh that's my church that's my religion and uh when when uh and i'm curious about i'm curious about people you know, human beings have a cellular need, I think, to sit in the dark with others and share stories. And it's it's primitive. It's old. I don't think it'll ever go away. Um, but um, I'm I want to move people. I don't like I said earlier, I'm not really that interested in what people think. I'm interested in what people do. Mm. And that's what plays are about. Plays are about what people do not what people think. It's just such a weird time to be alive right now like like in all of this with 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 all this communication with all this and with all this stay at home stuff like it's just been such a strange experience man. It just Well, that's for sure. It's a once it's a it's a 
it's a once every hundred years experience, actually. Yeah. Oh, it, it, so I know, I know the pandemic of uh, nineteen eighteen or whatever. I know that's what they keep talking about. Uh, but, but is it historically go back hundred like every hundred years? Roughly, roughly. <laughs> that's yeah. so crazy. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, and you know, I you I listen to these different podcasts. They talk about how, like, you know, this uh, th there's talking about how like this could have been leaked from some lab in Wuhan, or uh, or it's just a ploy for the Chinese world takeover. I go down those rabbit holes sometimes. That's just it's not healthy, I don't think. But uh, well, I I love. I mean, it's it. I I'm very much as a storyteller. I'm very drawn to conspiracy theories. Who cares? I mean, what difference does it make? Right. We got this thing we got to deal with. I mean, yeah, where it came from matters for sure as far as, you know, hoping to control it or treat it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think the worst, the worst part of this whole thing for the, for the United States and the world is, is the lack of sane, remotely competent leadership you know, in the White House, um, the president of the United States actually has a great deal of power. And if we have learned nothing else from this asshole, I hope people learn that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. I never thought I would have to say to somebody. Oh, I never thought I would hear the president of the fucking United States say drink bleach. <laughs> inject Lysol. I mean, what the fuck? You put that shit in a movie, nobody would believe it. But that's where we're living right now. So, do you think that's newsworthy though? But do you think that that him saying that is a, is newsworthy to the point that it was? Yeah, hell yeah. Hmm. Because people are going to do it. Yeah. I mean, this is life and death shit. He yeah. is killing people. He is killing people. It didn't have to be this bad. It did not have to be this bad. And the most evil, horrible thing about it is there's a whole bunch of these assholes sitting around. How do I cash in on this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and they Yesterday, are. Democratic states shouldn't get any federal aid. What the fuck is that? You know? Yeah, that's it, it's amazing how fast it turned political, too. Like It was like all like lovey-dovey. We're all in this together, blah, blah, blah. And then, boom! All of a sudden, it was just like, well, it's you know, we just fingers started getting pointed, and it just it just devolved very quickly into this. Well, he has no he has no moral center. He doesn't believe in anything, and um, he's a racist, and um, he's a horrible human being. And I mean, he's said he shows no uh, sympathy for people who are dying. I mean. God, I never thought I'd hunger for the days of George W. Bush. Oh, my God. Who, until this guy, was one of the worst presidents we ever had. But Jesus Christ, man, I, I, I'd welcome him back. Right? Bring, um, put down your paintbrushes, you old fuck. Get back in there and start running absolutely. this shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I don't know that there's any coming back from this, really. Um, but we'll see. Well, I was you know. I was actually very interested uh, because you know the, the rose has been around for a very long time. Um, well, for yeah. a good amount of time, and you've guys seen uh, thirty years, thirty years, and uh, yeah. you've guys seen epic academic. Oh my God, economic downturns before. Uh, yeah, especially when I think about two thousand eight, and it's like um, 
you know, like it affected me as a musician. And so uh, I'm, I'm guessing it affected the theater company. Uh, how did you guys sort of, what were you guys sort of doing to get through those times? Or did you guys even get affected by those? And then, um, and then I got another question to follow up on how you're going to yeah, apply. That we did. Now. Okay. Uh, you know, I have, a, I have a, an accountant that I've been with. Oh shit. For well, since 94. And he just, he pretty much, uh, his firm does a lot of different things, but he pretty much handles, you know, artists and actors and musicians and stuff like that. His name is Rob Bovitz. He's in Brighton. He's awesome. And, uh, but he, he told me that, um, People spend less in a down economy, but they spend better. So you may not like every show we do at the Purple Rose, but you cannot dispute the quality. Mm. You know, you're not going to see a better made thing anywhere in the world, really. Yeah. And we, we make things, you know, from fit to finish. They're well executed and they're really well made. So people, you know, uh, people come. We've had some down years, but that was any problems that we've had uh, came more from some of the, the choices that we made mm. and the way that we marketed things. There was a time when we didn't have the marketing talent that we have now. You know, Katie Hubbard is our managing director. She actually runs the business and, and she's, you know, the managing director. She does an incredible job. We have a, a board member uh, uh, who is incredible, um, who, uh, you know, just, uh, she was, uh, head of public relations and marketing for, for a major auto maker for a long time and extraordinary, we have extraordinary talent now. And that's really important. Reviews don't matter anymore with the demise of American journalism. Reviews don't matter. Uh, they really don't. They have some marketing value, but people can't find reviews unless we tell them where to look. Um, <laughs> Word of mouth is still the best advertising. So we make a really good thing. I'm convinced that whenever we do get back, people are going to continue to come in droves. Yeah. Uh, who knows what that might look like? We might only be able to sell 50 tickets and space people out or whatever, but we'll sell those tickets. Yeah. Uh, our fundraising, because we're a, we're a 501c3 not-for-profit, so you know half of our budget has to be fundraised. And, uh, well, a little less than half, but... Um, you know, we've, uh, people have been very generous, uh, because we make a really good thing and, you know, they know when they come, they're going to have a good experience. They're not going to have to worry about parking. They're a two minute walk from some great restaurants. It's, it's really a, a, a cool thing. You know, uh, going to see a show in Ann Arbor can be a real pain in the ass. And, uh, you know, uh, and I do, I love to go to the power center and the, uh, UMS and all that stuff and see some great stuff. But, that's why professional theaters in Ann Arbor have a real hard time making it. Well, there's a lot of reasons, but you know, because they have to compete with the university and all that stuff. So it's, it's, it's really difficult, but um, yeah, I, I, uh, I think, you know, we try to make, we try to do things that people want to see and that have some relevance to the wide diversity of souls who call the Midwest home. And we try to move people and make people feel something. We try not to tell them what to think. And I think people appreciate that. So yeah. Uh, we did okay back then. We did have a, a tough year, um, and that's because we did a, a a couple of shows that that people, our core demographic, did not want to see, and uh, and that that hurt. Um, so, but we we've, we've made better choices, and we're doing a much much better job of marketing them and selling them. 
how do you guys uh, how do you guys uh so does that decision making on on the audience and your market and your in your demographic does does that uh does that speak to what you're going to be doing what you're interested in doing does that does that sort of navigate does that linger in your head when like you're picking out the next play is like is my is my demographic gonna like this sure that's part of it you know are we are, yeah sure are we gonna do things that people are gonna want to see mm-hmm. absolutely um you know and, and it's we're always you know thinking two or three years ahead and uh yeah so we've you know we've been at it a while we've got it figured out here's the thing the average age of a person who sees a professional show once or more a year a play is between 54 and 80 you know everybody thinks there's this massive sea of young people millennials out there who would only who would come to the theater oh they don't care they don't give a shit the only ones that do are, are the ones who make it they don't fucking care They've got other things going on. Once they've raised their kids, they have some disposable income. They're looking for interesting things to do. Then they come. So, you know, anybody who, who, who thinks you can make a living with over 100 seats anyway, you know, marketing to, you know, 20 somethings are out of their fucking mind. It just and, and I have this argument all the time with people. They don't give a fuck. They do later. You know, but they don't, they just don't. They're going to concerts, they're going to clubs, they're, you know, doing whatever they're doing. And that's awesome. But they really don't give a shit about theater until they get older. That's just the way it is. That's true in Broadway. That's true everywhere. Then why is there so many young actors? People fall in love with it. Hmm. You know, I I, uh, got kicked off the baseball team my junior year of high school. For what? And uh, was looking, huh? Why'd you get kicked off? Uh, cause I, the, um, the baseball coach was also an English teacher uh. and I had him for English and I wrote a essay and I wrote it in pencil and, uh, you would get two grades, one for content and one for composition. And I got like an A over an E. And I worked hard on it. And I said, what's this? He goes, and he was, you know, he would measure the margins. He was, you know, that kind of a dick. Ugh. And, um, you know, I just said, you know, change the grade. And I went to the principal and all this other shit. And I, cause I was really pissed. Yeah. And that's why he kicked me off the team. It wasn't because I wasn't talented or a good baseball player. That's, that was quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he was, uh, he was a hardcore Christian guy and I wasn't uh, a lot of bullshit like that. Yeah. So, and I also think he was a bit of a racist, you know, um, I was, uh, I mean, I'm a Caucasian, but you know, um, a lot of people, my mother-in-law thought I was uh, black the first three years uh, that I knew her. And uh, I said, no, I'm not, not, not that fortunate. I, uh, I, uh, you know, and it was funny because my daughter, when she was five, we used to crack nuts on Tuesday night after dinner. We called it our nut cracking party because we like walnuts. Yeah. And she said, daddy, in school today, we learned about Rosa Parks. And I said, oh, really? And and then so I, 
you know, we started talking to her about, you know, history and slavery and stuff. And she looked at me, she said, Daddy, were you a slave? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, no, no, honey, that was a couple hundred years ago. And, uh, you know, but yeah, so, you know, he he was just a miserable son of a bitch. Good coach, but. So anyway, I tried out for the school play quite, there was a girl, uh, uh, that I was very interested in. She was a senior and I was walking by the auditorium and she was standing on the stage and there were some people sitting in the audience. And so I thought I'd walk in and she goes, are you here to read? And I I had no idea what she was talking about. I said, sure. (laughs) Yes. So she handed me a script and I read for this play and I got the lead and then I got hooked. It's like a terminal virus, man. Once it's there, it's so I don't know. I mean, I, I, if I were King, uh, our whole education system would be arts based mm. and, uh, you know, it starts young. I mean, it takes 20 years to learn how to do anything well. Right. And, uh, so yeah, but, but, you know, most young people and, you know, there's, eh, Two percent of any population. If you can get two percent of any population to go to the theater, you're going to be real successful. People don't go to the theater because there's an excellent chance they will be bored, mm, yeah. and they'll see a lot of pedantic crap that tells you how to think, and not much action. And we think that there needs to be less pedantry and a lot more action in theater. Um, it's not an intellectual exercise for us. It's yeah. It's the opposite of whatever that is. And people can think about it and talk about what it all means later. That's a, that's a, it brings up a good thing about meaning and, and, and uh, wh- how, how do you, when you write something, do you, do you have a direct meaning? Do you, do you have a, an idea of what you want people to receive it as, or do you just not care? Do you just, do you, no, I don't give a shit. Okay. Um, that's what I thought. Uh, I mean, I learned a long time ago that an artist, and this is the big, big thing that a lot of people never learn an artist cannot control the meaning of their work yeah all you can hope to have any control over is what you do or what you don't do that's all you can we don't have as much control over that as we'd like to think um so no i like to tell a good story that that moves me um you know i and i i want to write something and make something that that moves an audience that makes them feel something yeah. And guess them maybe talking later, but um, no, I'm not. I'm not out to. Uh, I don't know what anything means. <laughs> so we before we got interrupted, I wanted to talk to you about writer's block and um, yeah, um, the because the Stephen King wrote a great book. Uh, yeah, he did. about uh, well, he wrote several great books, but he wrote a great book about writing. It's called right. Writing. Um, and and I think it's him who said that he doesn't believe in writer's block. It was it him or, or maybe it was the other guy. I always get these books mixed up. The the art of war, no, the war of art, um, which is another good book. Um, if you, if you ever heard of the war art and then on writing are great books for writing. Um, but I can't, I always get them mixed up, but you would say, uh, one of them said that they don't believe in writer's block. Uh, it's just a matter of just sitting down and doing the the work. Uh, wh- where do you fall in that? I agree with that. Mm. I mean, people ask me all the time, you know, I hear, I got a great idea for a play. I got a great idea for a movie. Great, write it. Well, I don't know how. Well, you sit down on your ass and you write it. <laughs> the big difference between 
a lot of successful writers and non-successful writers are that writers write. They sit on their ass every day and they write. They guard their writing time jealously. You know, they write. It's I'm a grinder. Okay, I grind, and and that's what you do. You sit down, and you know, Lanford Wilson, uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright. Ultimately, the reason we're even having this conversation, uh, it was his belief in Jeff Daniels that launched his career. And um, I, uh, he had writer's block once. So he sat down and, and started writing what it felt like to have writer's block. And then three weeks later, he had a, 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 a beautiful play. And, you know, that's what you do. You sit down and you write. You write, you write, you, you, you sit down every day and you grind it out. So, I mean, you know, not all the ideas are great, but I became a director because I like ideas. And, and so I get an idea that, you know, moves me or, you know, um, and then I, and then I, I, I go to work, you know, I'm writing this story right now about, you know, it's, it's kind of autobiographical the ending it will have nothing to do with my life but um about a about a a 60 something year old guy who who loses his wife of 30 years and and what and and how he finds his way back and it's funny and it's heartbreaking and it's it's i think it's probably whatever this means it's probably one of the best things i've ever written but it comes from a very personal place Mm. and and um so yeah, there's plenty of plenty of things to to write about. Uh, the question is, will you sit down and put in the work? You know, um, will you? Uh, you know, people come to me and say, "Well, I've written thirty pages." Well, great, write a hundred and I'll read it. Get to the end because writing is rewriting. You can't rewrite a blank page. <laughs> Get to the end, and then we can go to work. But I'm not going to look at your 10 pages. I'm not going to look at your 30 pages because I'll just tell you it's great. Keep going, you know, and I don't want to steer you off. The first draft you write with your heart. Everyone after that, you write with your head. And and if you get somebody involved in that heart process, you'll fuck it up. Hmm. What do you say to somebody who's like, guy? I, I tried all that. I sit in front and I just can't do it. And and I try you're like, what, what do you say to somebody like that? Uh probably bullshit. <laughs> um you know, uh but uh find some prompts. Mm-hmm. Uh there's lots of great writing prompts out there. Um I'm gonna write a song with a musician friend of mine. I've never written a song before. Oh, I cool. want to write a song. So this guy is a world-class musician. He's fantastic. And I'm going to sit down, uh, uh, socially distanced and we're going to write a song in the next week or two, you know, that's awesome. Uh, It'll probably suck. I don't know. I mean, I, one, one year I decided to write a haiku every day. Hmm. So there were 365 haikus that I ended up with. Now, you know, uh, 200 of them were horseshit. <laughs> Another, you know, uh, 100 were okay. You know, 50 of them were pretty good. 
15 of them were excellent. Those are the only 15 I would show anybody. But I had to write 365 to get to those. Oh, the work. I think the work is what scares a lot of people uh, like away from Well, that, that's that's it. I mean, it's and writing is lonely. I mean, yeah. uh, my TV project, I'm working, actually working for a guy. And, you know, so he's a partner. And it's much more fun to write with somebody, you know, because basically we talk through the story and he writes something and he sends it to me and then I write it and send it back. And, and, you know, he's in California. So, but that's, that's fun. But writing is a lonely thing. You know, you guys, you and, and your ideas and, you know, your, your paper or computer or whatever the hell you, how you do it. Um, so, yeah. You talked about, uh, you know, using your life experiences and stories and personal, like how important is it for, for uh for anybody you're working with in you know in your in your hemisphere of the rose or whatever you're doing uh how important is it a life experience for them i mean you get a lot of young actors we talk about a lot of young actors um but i feel like there's a lot of young actors who and i don't mean that you have to have a terrible horrible life to have any kind of real depth or or, or substance but you know you you come out you come out of high school and you had a really great middle class suburban life. You, you, you know, like you, you've never really had any kind of hardship. Maybe you, you lost grandpa when you were younger, but you know, like it's, it's how is it important when you're talking to people, when you're, when you're looking to hire or work with people is life experience important to you? It's yeah, it, it matters a lot. Mm. And you know, I mean that, that 16 year old kid might've lost their grandparent. But that may have shattered their whole world. Yeah. Duh. And so it's not a question of, I mean, the older you are, the more you have to bring to the table. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that I interview people is because I like to know, you know, if you've buried a parent, then your life experience is very different. You, you've, if you've been through a divorce, if you have born children, you know, if all that stuff feeds who you are. So, uh, I like to know those things, uh, as much as you're comfortable telling me so that I can exploit them for the entertainment and amusement of others. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what art is. It's taking your pain and making something out of it. That's what real grown up art is. And it's, it's hard. Uh, it, it, it really is. Uh, but you know, a 22 year old's pain is 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 just as real and just as vivid for them and can contribute just as much to a project as as a 60 year old it just it just depends um so yeah like i said i cast people i don't cast characters yeah. i cast people that the audience will believe are those people and i don't think it's necessary to be i get in trouble for this but i don't think it's necessary to be deaf to play a deaf person mm. you know or to 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 you know, be straight to play a straight person or anything like that. It's just, will the audience believe you are who we say you are? Um, now, if I'm casting uh, the role of a Native American, I'll try real hard to find um, somebody that's Native American that can act. I had to do that once, and I, I ended up pulling a guy out of a bar in Toronto the first <laughs> time. And then I had to go to L.A. to find, but it's, it was really hard. And, you know, but, you know, you do, you do what you do. I mean, it gets, it gets a little strange. If I'm casting somebody to play Blanche Dubois, I'm not going to, you know, cast somebody who's a psychotic, 
but your own life experience can contribute that. If you're a murderer playing a murderer, okay, you've never murdered anyone, but I bet you wanted to, right? You know, that guy that cuts you off in traffic or whatever, you know. So you you, but it, the older you are, the more experience you have to bring to the table, and that that's true. But that doesn't invalidate, you know, a younger person's experience because their pain is real. Yeah, and that's what it takes. That's why so many of there's so many drunks and idiots and stuff in this business because it's hard. It's hard to put yourself out there like that. And, you know, your body doesn't know you're acting, you know, you live through this stuff. You know, I played a guy for, for four months who, you know, catches his wife cheating on him and, and ends up blowing his brains out at the end of the play. Well, that was not a great, you know, it was an honor to play the part. And, um, but it was, uh, you know, it costs you something good work costs you something. It costs you a piece of your soul and we only have so many pieces. So it's, it's not for, uh, it's not for everybody. Yeah, totally. Uh, the, you know, like when you're talking about, you know, saying stuff that might get you in a little trouble about, um, you know, who can play what characters, uh, on a play or whatever. Um, what do you say to this, um, this, I mean, over the last few years, I'm sure you've noticed, and, and rightfully so, this rise of the woke culture, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see that, <laughs> or, or this, this uh, the rise of, uh, of social justice, and, and what do you say to people who think that for so many years that maybe homosexuals or, uh, or you know, deaf people or, or people with disabilities have been overlooked for these roles that they were born to play? Well, just because you're handicapped, you have a you have a handicap. I don't consider homosexuality a handicap, by the way. Well, no, no, um, I, I, I wasn't but, but, trying to. No, and I know you don't either. But I'm just saying uh, because you know you 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 were born deaf. Yes. Uh, let's say um, doesn't mean you were born to play a deaf person. Yeah. Uh, you have to be a really good skilled actor to work at the Purple Rose, and um, I would never turn anybody away i mean you know um the whole the whole uh issue of gender now has taken on you know uh and if if a woman came in and uh you know identified uh, i mean you know uh, biologically we're dealing with a female and um they wanted to uh audition for a male role hey go for it but the, for me, the bottom line is, will the audience believe you are this person? Mm. That's, that's, and are you good enough to act as a purple rose? Are you a good enough, skilled enough actor? And will the audience believe you are who the play says you are? That's, those are the, you know, cause we're there to serve the play. So, um, I'm not going to, uh, cast, uh, a, a, a female in a male role just because that's not, you know, and most playwrights, I don't think would, would want that. You can do an all female production of Julius Caesar by Shakespeare. If you want, that's great. Uh, and, and, and what, you know, maybe that'll illuminate something new about the play, but I know that, you know, Edward Albee wrote a, an incredible play called who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. And back in the you know sixties or, you know, people, there were a lot of companies that wanted to do, an all male production of it. And he shut that shit right down, you know, and he was a homosexual male. He said, no, that's not what I, and, 
and you know he has the right to protect his work and you know but i'm about serving the play and telling the story as simply and elegantly and powerfully as possible um so just because you uh have a handicap doesn't mean you were born to play somebody with that handicap uh unless you're a highly skilled highly highly trained actor um and that's our job. It's 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 not real. It's it's a work of art. It's an abstraction. Now I'm not going to cast a Caucasian to play, you know, uh, uh, Otello or an African American, you know, uh, role. I, I'm not I'm not going to do that. But um, if it doesn't matter, I don't care. You know, um, sometimes it matters. Uh, we did a new play <coughs> by Carrie Krim a few years ago and there was a play written there was a part in there for an ex-baseball player living in a retirement home and it it was <coughs> originally written probably for a caucasian guy well the best actor i had was an african-american so i called the playwright and said do you have a and she said no absolutely so we cast and, and she changed the role now so that the guy has to be played by an african-american because it adds so much it made the role so much richer and raised the stakes you know, but um, I just try to, you know, cast the best actor and hope that the audience will believe that that person is who we say they are. And uh, I don't feel that I have to find a blind person to play a blind person or, a, or a, a gay person to play a gay person or any anything like that. I played gay people a lot and I'm a straight male. Uh, and my only concern was that, you know, people believed that I was that person. And and I managed to pull it off. So, you know, it's just it uh, um, it doesn't do any good to cast somebody because they suffer from a particular affliction. You know, they're they're paralyzed or blind or something and uh, they can't act. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's just so interesting that. <clears throat> out of this sort of, I'm doing the air quotes again, this woke culture is that they've come this entitlement of, of just because I exist, that should be mine now. Like, yeah, just yeah. because that, yeah, I, I agree. And that's, that's bullshit. You know, I mean, you know, the whole me too movement, for example, uh, that was, a uh, a revelation to, to me. I had no, cause I've never done i've never sexually assaulted anybody or anything like that and i thought maybe 10 percent of women had suffered from something like that and when i learned it was closer to 80 yeah it rocked my world yeah, absolutely and but by the same token it's not a black and white issue it doesn't make room for nuance and and there you know um the, the word rape gets thrown around way too much you know, Joe Biden raped this woman. It's, 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 it just, it, 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 and there has to be some, you know, overcompensation. I think things have been really wrong and really fucked up for a really long time. And you've got, it's a generational thing too. When we did the, the, the play never, not once, which dealt with a rape, you know, there were people and the guy admits at the end of the play, he admits that he raped the woman, you know, 22 years beforehand. Right. Mm. And there were people, there were women 
you know, older women who said, you're being too hard on this guy and boys will be boys. And so it, it's, it's a generational thing. And it, it blew my mind, yeah. you know, it blew my mind. Uh, uh, you know, this whole Kavanaugh thing, you know, when he was up for the Supreme court, you know, again, the, it depends on how old you were. I was Jesus. I mean, the guy was horrible and the whole victim culture and it's, it's terrible. And, and, you know, I have, I, I know a lot of people who've been raped and, and were raped, you know, they were raped and one of them went to trial and well, you'd been drinking. So tough shit, oh. you know? And, and yeah, so we have a long, 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 long way to go, you know? Um, but, uh, nothing is black and white. Yeah, and I think that's what happened with all of this. And I think that's why, I mean, I, I kind of see it kind of, I definitely think it was an important thing to happen. This whole woke, all the woke, all, all the woke was very important because like you said, we didn't know, like I didn't know either that it was close to 80% of women has experienced some kind of sexual assault or, or at least some kind of harassment, you know. Um, we didn't know this. And, and so the, the, the pendulum had to swing back a little, you know, like we had to. Yeah. Uh, well, here, here's, here's the deal. I mean, like harassment is a perfect example. Harassment to me is about power. Yeah. And the misuse of power. And, but there's nothing, you know, in the constitution about offending people. Right. And, and, you know, you do it in my house. That's a problem. You do it out in the street. Well, you know, the street belongs to everybody. And, um, people are, you know, I'm in show business and, and I'm an entertainer and, you know, I offend people a lot in my work. I mean, that's part of it. If you're not offending somebody, you know, but that's not why I do it, but people are so easily offended, you know, and like I, I was talking with somebody a few months ago and I used the word transvestite and, and the person told me, well, that's not socially acceptable anymore well I, I thank them thank me thank you i did not know that right i'm a 66 year old man and and i've been and i still refer to people who prefer to to you know i still uh i still mess up on pronouns and I, and i'm but i'm working at it i'm trying real hard you know um i mean you for all intents and purposes you are biologically and everybody who looks at you would say you're a woman well, you don't identify that way. And I absolutely respect and believe in anybody's right to identify any way they want. Um, so it, it's, you know, it, it's taken me a while to, to adjust and say, uh, it, it's, you know, because I've been, you know, uh, referring to people a certain way for, you know, 66 years, but I'm learning, you know, um, but it's not my opportunity. It's not my job to guess how you want to be referred to you have a responsibility to let me know and i am enough of an adult to say thank you and i i don't mind being corrected at all but the fact that i that i make that mistake doesn't make me a bigot or a bad person right you know like i say there's nuance here there's 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 a learning curve and it's it's a generational thing and it's going to take a while yeah but i absolutely you know i'm trying you know which is the last thing i want yeah, of Go course. Ahead. You you're not trying. Yeah, you don't. You're not sitting here just thinking of different ways to offend people. Like that's not your goal in life. You you're just here to entertain and and uh, and do the best you. Uh, it, it's just so interesting how 
I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I'm a liberal. I feel like, and I'm not trying to talk politics here, but like, what liberal. You can means, talk politics. I don't care. It doesn't well, scare me. Well, yeah, I know your Facebook page. I love your Facebook page, by the way. <laughs> your post could be awesome. Uh, you know, like, the definition of liberal has changed in the last 10 years to the point where I feel like there's this very conservative point that we're hitting as liberals where we are telling people what they can and can't say. Absolutely. No, you, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, the radical left is just as horrible as the radical right. Yeah. They're just as intolerant and just as bigoted in their own way. Yeah. It really is. And, you know, I, I'm, look, I have one, I have a problem with assholes. <laughs> assholes come in all political parties, all religions, all genders all sexual persuasions, all an asshole is an asshole. Yeah. I don't like assholes. And I have a definition, you know, that I live with that makes a person an asshole. So I try not to deal with assholes, you know, but other than that, I don't care. I told my daughter that when she was growing up, just don't come home with an asshole. <laughs> I don't care if they're a man, a woman, a, you know, just, just please don't come home with an asshole. Come, come home with somebody who hopefully, and, but I know that for, you know, um, I, and it's gotten bad, but you know, if, if you support this president, that says something about you to me, that says that, you know, I mean, I don't think you get to support a racist and not call yourself one, mm. you know, I don't think Nazis are, are fine people. I, I, you know, I, I do believe that many things that do not generate a profit enhance the quality of life. I have some very strong views in, in, along along those lines. But, you know, um, yeah, don't try to tell me what to think and don't try to tell me what to say. Uh, I'm a damn adult and I'll, I'll figure it out for myself. If my belief system offends you, then we can talk about that. Absolutely. Like, like you know, um, but... You know, if I looked at somebody and said, well, you know, biologically, you're a female, so that's how I'm going to refer to you. And if you don't like it, tough shit. That's disrespectful. That's stupid and inhuman. Yeah. You know, that's just not that's that's being an asshole. So I try not to be an asshole. It's a, it's a good mantra to live by. Don't be an asshole. Don't be an yeah. asshole. Don't be an yeah. asshole. I, I feel like if more people just sat there in their car before they went into the meeting or went in for, you know, you, don't be an asshole. Don't be an Okay, let's do it. You know, like, I feel yeah. like we would just have a little bit more, uh, you know, working togetherness, I guess. <laughs> um, so uh, as we're wrapping up here at the, at the end of this um, Thank you so much, by the way. That this has been just a joy for me. Um, oh, I've enjoyed it too, man. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you know, with with Paint Night, which is the the last thing you guys were working on at the Rose. Um, uh, I, I'm just curious, like as someone who already bought their tickets, uh, I'm just curious. Uh, I, I know that your you your your hands are tied right now, and it's not that you're not. This is not a choice for you guys, but um, I I don't know what what. Uh, have you put any thought into what you guys want to do with this production? Um, like how, how yeah. are you going to go forward with this? Well, we're going to do it. I mean, we had two weeks of rehearsal and we've got it built. So whenever we come back, that's what we're going to lead with. Okay. So we, we canceled our scheduled summer show and hopefully we'll do that in a future season. But yeah. Um, 
so that's our plan. I mean, is whenever we do get back, uh, we're going to lead with paint night and go from there. Nice. Right on. Well, um, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I, 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 that's just for my own personal curiosity because I have just been really enjoying going and seeing shows at the Rose. And, and Raina, I know she loves just like she just adores going there. She adores the, the, the family environment that, that that you've helped curate there. And um, yeah, it's just it's well. just been a really cool and it's been cool just like getting to know actors because honestly, I had uh, living out in California. <clears throat> um for a little while and living in LA for a little bit um it kind of put this uh bad taste in my mouth about actors and <laughs> it's just nice to know that they're not all you know, just up there most people most people don't go to LA to act they go to LA to become stars yeah and and the whole you know uh, it's uh it, and whatever they think that that shit means <laughs> um real actors do it on stage and uh you know like i said we try not to hire assholes if you work at the purple rose you're not just really really good at at whatever your discipline is you're a good human uh and 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 we do we are a family and and we do we are there for each other and we you know we believe in see we believe in reyna Okay. And, and, and along the way you pick up people who believe in you. I learned this from Jeff Daniels and you, you hang on to those. They're rare. And so, you know, we adore her too. She's, she's a, a wonderful human being. She's a very talented performer and you know, she wants to get better. So, you know, what's not to like. Yeah, she's definitely always just like I got. I'm just I just gotta get. I gotta get. I gotta get this. I gotta do this. And she was so. I remember the last production. She was like, I can't wait till the script comes. I'm gonna be off book. I don't care. I'm gonna be off book. Like she's just so excited about everything. Uh, one one last thing because uh, uh, I, I I've been forgetting to ask this question. And it's been it's become one of my favorite questions. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten? I'm sure there's tons of advice that are great that you got, but you know. no, it's a great question. Um, the best piece of advice uh, I I I ever got was uh, um, with well, certainly with regard to my profession, but also bleeds over into my life. Cause they're one and the same, um, do what you do the way you do it. Hmm. That's great. And, uh, or, or, or you're of no use to anyone. Um, Ooh, and then my I like wife, that had, little extra there. <laughs> yeah. And my wife, uh, actually, uh, you know, coined this a long time ago. If you take care of the work, it will take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a great one. I mean, my yeah. God, I, I mean, I mean, just like in the last couple of months, I can literally see that practice like in real time because of online analytics. Uh, I can actually yeah. see that, that, you know, just service the work service. I mean, if you believe in it, service it as much as you can, as much as you possibly can, because you're not, you're not going to fail that way. It's just, it's not going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. And, and failure is quitting. So I don't know. Yeah, and everybody, anybody who who's never failed has never done anything. I mean, that's 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 all part of the deal. But yeah, I mean, 
I mean, one of the things we've talked about uh, during this time is, is true. A lot of people just don't put in the work. Yeah. You know, life is not a freaking, uh, you know, Snapchat. Uh, um, what are those little movies now that uh, you can? The, the I gifts? just no. Um, God damn it! I just <laughs> discovered it a couple weeks ago. And it's uh, TikTok. TikTok, there you go. Yeah, I, I that that shit's addictive, <laughs> but you know, um, you got to put in, you got to put in the work, man. You gotta, whatever it is, and that's why I tell people, you know, I mean, the meaning of. Would you like to know what the meaning of life is? Yes. Loving creation. You were put on this earth to create something out of love. And that's also the key to happiness. Happiness is doing something. You, happiness is a byproduct of passion for doing something you believe in. Um, that's what it is. If you if, and, and and you know, if you depend on another person for your happiness, you will always, always, always be disappointed. Yeah. You know, relationships are like uh, you know, you get out of them what you put into them. But um, happiness is a byproduct of passion. You know, I, I knew a guy once, and and I still know him. He's a great guy, and. You know, 20 years ago, he said to me, guy, I'm passionate about fast food. <laughs> and I was like, that's great. And, you know, he he went to work for like Kentucky Fried Chicken. And if there was a store in Evanston, Illinois that wasn't doing well, they'd send him down there. And, you know, he'd motivate the staff. And three months later, he'd leave. And it was the cleanest, best, most productive store in the region. And then he ended up, you know, getting some pizza franchises and being the pizza guy at the University of Michigan uh, football stadium. And, you know, now he owns several franchises and he's a millionaire and he loves it. He loves getting up and going to work. He believes in what he's doing. And that's, that's the key. Life is too short, you know, so you might as well do something you love. And if you take care of the work, it will take care of you. Eventually the money will catch up. Beautiful. Guy Sandville, I I truly do appreciate this. I am not gonna I'm not gonna stop saying this. I, even when I see you next in person, whenever that is, I'm gonna thank you again for this amazing opportunity to to talk to you and, and just pick your brain a bit about what you do and uh, and uh, how you feel about things. Anytime, Mike, and uh, hopefully you know we can we can share a good old purple rose hug next time I see you. Absolutely, <laughs> I I'm I'm all about it. All right, guy, I, I appreciate your time, man. You have a great day. You too, man. Take care. Thank you so much, guy. I really appreciate you coming on the show and um, you know, just 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 talking, just chatting it up, just two guys talking. Uh, no, for real though. Like, uh, it, it was a it was a true honor to talk to guy. And um, one of the one of the things I noticed when this pandemic hit was one of the first things that I saw out of guy because I love. First of all, I love guy's Facebook post, which I mentioned in the interview here, but. Um, <laughs> because they're so like they're either really politically charged and emotionally and politically charged or they're like very silly or it just varies in such a way that it, that it, it's just like you 
like guy is probably I, I go and check in on guy's profile probably at least once a week just to get a <laughs> just to get a just to get a, a sense of what's going on i think right now he's on hiatus which doesn't work out with the release of this but that's okay uh you need to take a break from facebook and um i think guy probably just needed that break so um that's take breaks folks take breaks anyways but what i did see is that guy was offering his um his time he was offering his time to people who were interested in writing scripts and like hey will you read my script i mean is this like a very important thing it's like i'll send a song off to somebody or, or i'll play a song that i'm working on for my wife she's a great barometer for things sometimes she's just like it's not for me but you know she, she has different taste in music as i do but you know, like I, I, I definitely send songs off to people that I trust, people I know that are gonna tell me the truth. And the great thing about Guy is that he's gonna tell you the truth about your script. And you know, one thing he was mentioning is like, you know, send me a finished script because I, I can't give you a, a full analysis on something if 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 it's not complete and that makes so much sense to me and like there's been times in my career where i send off these like here's my song like sending off songs to potential uh uh you know record companies that you're trying to <laughs> i'm sending off demos and like unmixed and unmastered songs and so it makes sense that i never heard anything back from that <laughs> But I get it because because it's like, how can you give your full analysis on something if you don't have a full picture? You know, like how can you appreciate a full work of art? You know, how can you really appreciate art if it's just this half done thing? You know, it's you can't fully appreciate something unless it's fully um, presentable, and uh, that that makes sense to me. I mean. You can do a first draft. I think sending off guy a first draft, is, as long as it has an edit or something, it, it would be fine. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. The 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 I I, I really I really really respect people who take time to help people who are trying to to come up in in, in any facet in the art community because it's not easy this is a it's a rigorous job it's and relentless and you know like people people mostly don't give a shit about you and <laughs> and when you do find people who care and who do give you a chance you know those are the people that that, that you should you know not latch on to but at least show respect to and um and, and cherish because those are the people who gave you your first shot and um you know so I, I don't know if Guy is still taking scripts or anything, but, you know, he, he made himself accessible, and that's really beautiful, especially that guy is always working, you know, that dude, when you hear him talk, and especially when he's talking about balance, to me, that that struck really deeply with me, and that's something that I still, that I'm still quoting, I'm running around saying, it's like, there's no such thing as balance. <laughs> A very, very uh, talented and and uh, amazing human being told me once that there is no such thing as balance, <laughs> um, which is actually quite disconcerting because that is one thing that I'm 
constantly in the search of and it just constantly eludes me so i don't know <laughs> about all that we'll see we'll see maybe i can be the guy who figures out balance maybe it's me who who, who cracks that nut I doubt it. I really doubt it. Like already in, in just trying to finish this podcast, I've already been distracted at least four times on stuff that has nothing to do with the podcast where I'm on the internet searching for something and I'm stopping myself and be like, oh yeah, I got to finish this. And so here I am trying to finish this without being distracted <laughs> and looking up nonsense. Um, yeah, balance. I don't know. Anyways, I appreciate everybody for stopping by. I'm not going to go too long on this. I hope everybody has been being safe. I hope the protests have been going safe. I hope you guys have been staying safe. Um, You know, if you're out there in the streets, God damn it, just be careful. Just be careful. Anything can happen out there. People are on edge right now. Um, So just be careful. And... uh, and uh, you know try to do the social distance thing i know it's hard when you're shoulder to shoulder with people yelling in the streets you know yelling for your rights in the streets it's not easy i've been there i've been in the streets i've been yelling i've yelled at city hall before you know like i've done it um i know how it goes so um just be safe and this whole pandemic thing we're already seeing spikes so i I, you know i guess i guess I, i guess rights over life I don't know. It doesn't see. I, I, the thing about the coronavirus is that it's just it's affecting one percent of the country, and you know we're still trying to do this lockdown thing. I, I I totally support the lockdown. I'm all, I'm all about it, but it's just like there's some questions that need to be answered about this, and um, this whole thing was just not handled well. I don't think so. <laughs> I think most of the country believes that well, uh, that too. I'm talking about the whole thing. I'm talking about the pandemic, the 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 protests. Uh, I just think that this country just, or our leadership in this country just ate a big pile of shit on this one, which is no surprise. You guys know my feelings on uh, our current administration. So anyways, I don't even know why I decided to start a whole new rabbit hole for, for me to go down. I'm ending this because I have too much shit to do and I can't just sit here for the next half hour and talk in circles at you fine folks. So I'm not going to do that. I will spare you the circle talking this week, uh, especially because we had such a great conversation with Guy. And why why ruin it with with Mike's circle talking? Uh, So... I'm going to leave you guys here. I just wanted to make sure you guys knew that. I was still thinking about y'all out in the streets protesting. Still care. Still, I, I, you know, I'm proud of y'all. Just be careful. And, uh, you know, keep it peaceful. And, and just stay safe. That's all. Doing good work, guys. Let's, let's keep the momentum going. Let's not, let's not lose sight of, of the goal here. We want we want everyone to have a fucking a chance in this world, so in this country at least. Um, so but let, let's not forget that. Let's not forget the goal, and um, just just uh, be good to your fellow human beings. And HJ's for everybody. Okay, guys, I'll see you next week. Oh wait, I'll see you next Friday. We're having another bonus release, so it's this Friday. I got. I think it's Wendy Halo. 
I'm pretty sure it's Wendy Halo. So finally, a, a, a f- we're going to have a, a, a female back on the show. It's been a while since we've had a female back on the show. And so I, I'm glad that we'll have a female back on. Um, it's it's just been such a dude storm lately. So <laughs> uh, it'll be refreshing to have a, a, a female perspective on this all. Um, so I think that's next this Friday. So lots going on. All right, guys. Take care of yourself. I'll see you next time. Bye.